welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction Avril Danchak here, talking about module 00, top tips for strengthening your consultation skills. So here are seven tips for strengthening your consultation skills if you're a clinician in training. And this chapter was written by Jonathan Squibbs, a clinician in training, based on his own experience. There's always a lot to do when you're in training for a new role. You might need to learn about new conditions or treatments, keep on top of a training portfolio or prepare for exams. Regardless of the new clinical role you're training for, consulting skillfully with patients is a fundamental aspect of healthcare. And here are seven tips for how to strengthen your consultation skills during your training. Tip number one, find good consultation skills resources to help you learn quickly. There are numerous consultation skills resources. Some are formal textbooks, which summarise the evidence for particular skills, while others are more informal books based on one individual's experiences. There are also a growing number of online resources, including blogs, e-learning packages and podcasts. Everyone learns in different ways, and some formats will be more appealing to you than others. Try out a few different options to see which works for you in terms of style and content. Libraries, whether in hospitals or in your place of work in primary care, are good places to look. Your supervisor will probably have a favourite book that you could borrow to see if it suits you. The talc resources are fantastic to use when developing your consultation skills. There are short articles and podcasts covering all the elements of the consultation with advice and tips for how to consult more effectively. The talc materials also include lots of links to other resources, for when you want to go off and find out some more. Top tip number two, work closely with colleagues. Now, we're often told that practice makes perfect, but merely repeating the same thing doesn't mean we'll get good at it. Imagine the pianist who practices every day, but has mixed up the black and white keys. The end result might be that they're very good at playing things wrong, but not very good at playing things right, and the end result might not be too kind on your ears. Involving other people can guide you to identify which skills you need to develop and to give you some feedback as to how well you're doing. This is illustrated by something called the Johari window. We all have blind areas that we can't see that other people can see and by inviting others to give feedback, this blind area becomes more open and enables us to act upon it. So, for example, there are things about our consulting which are known to us and also known to other people And these are open things. There are things that we know about our own consultation skills that other people don't know, perhaps what we do behind closed doors, and these are hidden. There are things which are unknown to us ourselves, but known to other people. And this is referred to as us being blind to these things, because they are known, but we ourselves can't see them. Finally, there are things that we don't know about ourselves, but other people don't know either, And these are simply unknowns. 
Your supervisors are invaluable resources. They have an understanding of how to consult with patients in your particular field and have been trained to help you develop these skills yourself. And there's more about this in the Making the Most of the Time with Your Supervisor section further on. Involving your peers can also give a lot of benefits. You could review each other's recorded consultations or practice mock clinical cases. Make sure that feedback is focused on development. To achieve this, focus on what was done well and on what could be done differently, which is sometimes called even better if. Set some ground rules for the session where you all agree to be a constructive friend. The next top tip is to make most of the time with your supervisor. Regardless of how often you see your supervisor, it's important to prepare for these meetings so that you'll get the most out of the time you spend with them. Where possible, try and plan the content of your supervisor meetings in advance and have a specific objective in mind. There are many ways that you can work with your supervisor to develop your consultation skills, and this could include doing joint clinics, reviewing video consultations of your own, or discussing challenging patient interactions. Perhaps the most helpful of these is actually to review pre-recorded consultations of your own. This allows both of you to view or listen to the recording, spot the skills which are in place, discuss the consultation together, and work out how to develop. So, for example, perhaps you want to develop your skills at in ending your consultations more easily and effectively. Before your supervisor meeting, you could read about that element of the consultation in your consultation skills resource, for example, the corresponding TALC chapter. You could then identify skills to try out with patients. You could record a clinic where you make a conscious effort to do these skills and then review the recordings with your supervisor. Your supervisor can offer feedback about how you're using the skills and you can work together to decide how to develop those skills further. Discussing the impact of those skills on your consultations can be a very enlightening process. Top tip number four, get used to seeing yourself on video. Most people don't like watching or hearing themselves on recordings. Some of this is due to camera trickery. For example, hand gestures often look more exaggerated on video than they really are because of the frame size effects. The strangeness of watching ourselves on video is also affected by our brains that filter out details we don't want to see because we're expecting something else. This is called confirmation bias. Start recording and reviewing consultations early in your training so that you get used to it and so that you get used to asking patients for permission. You may find that the more you watch or listen to yourself, the more comfortable you come. If not, focusing on some specific aspects, for example, the patient's reactions or listening for specific phrases can help to direct your attention away from yourself. Ultimately, remember that no one else watching your consultations cares about how you look or sound. An observer's interest is in the content and on how you interact with your patient. Top tip number five, don't be afraid to try things out, but don't try them all out at once. The only way to see if something works is to try it out. Practicing with others can be helpful to introduce you to a skill and there is no substitute for trying things with patients and seeing their unprompted reactions. However, it's important not to try and introduce too many new things at once. Trying to achieve too many new consultation skills all in one go 
makes each one less likely to succeed. It takes time to develop a skill and to integrate it into daily practice. Identify one aspect of the consultation you'd like to work on. For example, setting an agenda with a patient near the beginning of a consultation. This skill is relevant for pretty much all con consultations. Make a conscious effort to practice the new skill in every consultation during a clinic. Make some brief notes afterwards about the impact, especially how the new skill affected you, your patient and the consultation as a whole. You might decide to record your clinic and review these consultations either alone or with a supervisor. Once you've started to consistently include that new skill, then pick a different area of the consultation to work on and keep repeating that process. Top tip number six, make sure you receive effective feedback. As we've said before, feedback is vital for consultation skills development. Some clinicians dislike getting feedback. It may be that you've had a particularly negative experience of receiving feedback in the past. You might find the way feedback is given to be off-putting or difficult for you to understand. It can even be hard to accept positive feedback about what you're doing well. Poorly given feedback can prevent learning. This affects confidence, self-esteem and enthusiasm for development. So it can be helpful to think about how you prefer to receive your feedback. Discuss this with your supervisor early in your training. Ask them for feedback. Tell them when you'd like to get it and how you'd like to get it. Having these conversations helps to develop trust and can make feedback more effective. Of course, feedback should be constructive and specific. If these aspects are missing, then ask the person giving feedback to elaborate so that it's clear what they're specifically talking about and what specifically could be improved and how that could be done. If you receive a generic statement like, your explanation wasn't very good, ask that person to explain specifically which aspects need developing and how you might do this. What would be an even better way to do this? After you've received feedback on your consultation, you should be in a position to create an action plan for how to develop your skills further. And if that hasn't happened, you haven't received effective feedback, so ask for some more feedback. There's a lot of detail about how to receive feedback as well as how to give feedback in Module 9, the chapter called Am I Nearly There Yet? Top tip number seven. Start preparing for any examination early on in training. Exams often seem a long way away, but they can quickly creep up on you. Think carefully about when you want to sit your exams if you do have a choice of dates, and this will help your preparation plans. The best way to prepare for exams is to develop your clinical and consultation skills as you see your patients in your daily work. Mock cases and practising with peers can be helpful for some exams involving simulated patients or structured physical examinations, but this should not replace clinical experience and feedback upon that. Daily clinical experience is a goldmine to help you prepare. Don't forget that the closer it gets to exams, the more stressful the time it becomes. Your focus will probably shift from developing your skills to passing your exam. And the immediate period just before the exam is not the ideal time to be drastically changing your consultation skills. Instead, use the months leading up to the exam for skills development. And then you can use the last month or so to hone your skills and work on other elements such as time management 
and refreshing clinical knowledge. So these seven top tips, hopefully, will help you improve your consultation skills quickly and easily as a clinician in training. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.